I wanted to find a way to encapsulate the crucifixion and how the passion of Christ symbolically redeems us from the fall in Eden. Everything he was doing was reversing what happened in Eden. So we tend to think of the Garden of Eden as just a flat land, right? Like just a mere garden. But historically, traditionally, in the church fathers, they used to say that it was a mountain. It was a mountain because all four waters ran forth from the top that were the source of all water. It was the highest point, symbolically, in the world. And there were four types of trees in the garden, not just one or two. You had the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you had the fig trees, and then the other vegetation were the thorns down there. And at the highest point of the mountain was the tree of life. Below that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And below them was where Adam and Eve dwelt. And at the base of the mountain was the fig tree. And surrounding the mountain, protecting it, were the thorns. So the highest point of unity is the tree of life. And as you descend down the mountain, you enter into the multiplicity of the thorns. So to understand the trees, we need to understand the essence of sin. It was that Adam and Eve, out of pride and disobedience to God, they tried to grasp for the fruits of the knowledge of good and evil from the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. So they tried to ascend the mountain on their own without the help of God to essentially become their own God or to make their life complete without depending on Him. Now, tradition always tells us that we were always meant to eat from that tree and eventually to eat from the tree of life at the top of the mountain. But it was supposed to be a gift. And we all understand that in our own temptations. So many of the things that we desire in life are good in themselves. The problem is that we try to grasp for them prematurely. And within that temptation to do that is distrust in God, that he will be the one to give it to us in his own time. So they fell to that temptation. They tried to grasp for the fruit of the tree by themselves, on their own, independent of God. And because of that, they descended into chaos. And this is the idea also reflected in the story of Babel, right? The, the Tower of Babel, the people wanted to build a tower up to heaven, up to God without God's help to, to make a utopia, a complete, perfect world, one world order, right? And because they tried to do that, what happened? Everyone started to babble. God mixed their languages and they descended into chaos. They couldn't understand one another. The idea being when you try to grasp the heights on your own without the help of God, we end up dis- descending into disorder and to chaos and to multiplicity. And this is the general movement of sin in its, in its order. We descend into chaos. So you see the same thing with Moses at Mount Sinai, right? Mount Sinai, Moses, he ascends up the mountain to do what? To receive the order of the commandments from God. And while he is there, the people descend into multiplicity into the worship of animals. He ascends into unity. They descend into the chaos of this world. Same thing with Peter. Peter's walking on water, on the chaos. As long as he's keeping his eyes on Jesus Christ right in front of him, he ascends above the waters, above the disorder. 
And yet when he starts to look at the waves, the wind, his feet, the waters, what happens to him? He descends into the chaos and becomes drowned in the waters. We all feel that when we're in a bad place in our life, when we're suffering, when we don't know where to go, what to do, we often say we're anxious, we're confused, right? Because we can't find the proper path forward. So the general movement of sin is chaos and disorder and confusion. And in our times, whenever we focus on the world in itself, when it's not an end in God itself, what happens is it, it crumbles beneath us. That's why we've come to worship human love. Since romanticism, especially in our times, because of Disney and Hollywood movies, we worship human love like it's an end in itself. What's the consequence? Divorce rates are higher than ever before. And polygamy, right? Well, that's what happens when you focus on the creature, you descend into chaos and multiplicity. Same thing with pornography. It's never just like one time, one thing, one image. The more you look at it, the more you need multiple images, multiple times, and it becomes a an addiction that brings you into chaos. Same thing with the LGBTQ movement, right? First, it just began with same-sex attraction. But the more you focus on these things, it goes from L to G to B to T to Q. And you're going to keep adding letters onto that because whenever you focus on the descent, it continues to unravel itself. Same thing with Protestantism. So when Luther broke off from the unity of the church, what happened? Within 10 years of his life, 40, 40 denominations. Now there's 70,000 denominations. We move away from unity into multiplicity. That's always the sign of sin, chaos and multiplicity. This is what happens in every society in the history of the world that stops ascending towards God, towards his commandments. We descend into chaos, division, confusion, and then ultimately in violence because all the different parts begin to war against one another. We either ascend into God's order or we descend as a people into disorder and chaos. So that brings us to the third and fourth tree. After the sin, Adam and Eve descend down the mountain towards exile. After they try to grasp for the fruit, they're exiled. They start to descend. And then they come first to the fig tree. The fig tree at the bottom of the mountain where they had to clothe themselves. And what you find is the further we get from God, the more we focus on self-preservation because we no longer, when we go into the world, we're going into a dangerous place, a place of multiplicity, a, a place of violence, a place of chaos. So we have to clothe ourselves. So first it began with the fig leaves and then it became the animal skins. Then we build cities, then we build walls, then we build weapons. All of this to protect ourselves because we no longer have the experience of God our Father watching over us. We descend more and more into self-preservation to become our own gods. And then we come to the thorns. The thorns were meant to protect the garden at the foot of the mountain, but now it becomes a curse. You shall toil and the earth will bring forth thorns and thistles. It's the fourth vegetation we see. We're condemned to live in the chaos of exile, and multiplicity, more and more division. So in essence, because we tried to grasp for utopia without God, 
without it being a gift given to him, without him fathering over us, we descend into the exile of chaos from the mountain of Eden. How does Jesus Christ redeem us in the cross that we are celebrating today in his passion and death? Well, Christ is the new Adam, the Son of God who descends from heaven. He comes to us from the heights. He enters into our exile. He divests himself of his divinity to clothe himself with our weak, fragile humanity. And then he begins to walk towards Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, whenever they talk about it in the Old Testament, they call it the city built on a hilltop. It was the highest mountain in the area. And the tradition was that the Garden of Eden used to exist in Jerusalem. That's where the fall was. And that's why Christ set his face towards Jerusalem at the end of his life. So he's going back to the garden to bring us back to God. And what does he do? The first thing right before he enters into Jerusalem, he he curses a fig tree. Why curse the fig tree? He's taking away the covering. We're entering back into the total vulnerability and dependence upon God. No more coverings. And so he's going to allow himself to be stripped completely of his clothing, to be beaten raw. Complete dependence upon the Father. To ascend the mountain naked for our Lord. And what happens before he ascends? The crown of thorns. Nowhere else do we ever see something like this happening to any figure in history where a crown of thorns is taken to mock him, put on his head, and then he ascends the mountain of Calvary carrying the wood of the cross, the tree. And just as Adam and Eve tried to ascend the mountain of God out of pride and disobedience and independence, Christ ascends the mountain with the tree of total obedience and surrender unto the Father in humility. He did not deem equality with God something to be grasped with. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and becoming obedient even unto death and death on a cross. So just as pride exiled us from the mountain, now humility in Jesus Christ will restore us. And by surrendering himself to death on the cross, what happens? He becomes the new tree of life in his very body on the cross. He transforms the tree of eternal life into himself. And that's why he says, unless you eat my body and drink my flesh, drink my, drink my blood, you have no life within you. Eat my body and drink my blood and you will live forever. So just as the tree of life was taken from us in the garden, it is now given back to us in Jesus Christ, in his own body and blood. And the blood and water that pour forth from his side when he's pierced by that lance, he becomes the new river of life descending throughout the world giving us the sacraments and the graces that give us the new life and water the entire world with God's grace. Just like the original four rivers in Genesis. So on the cross, Christ overturns the sin of Eden and encapsulates in himself, in his own body, 
every tree and every fall. He's naked without shame, without figs to cover himself. He's crowned with thorns, the blessing, the turning our curse into a blessing on himself. He's obedient to God's will instead of grasping for independence, and he becomes in his own body on the cross the new tree of life, so that when we eat from his body, we are promised to live forever through him. So as we behold the cross on which salvation hung of the world, let us pray for our church, let us pray for our country, for our families, for ourselves, that his work of redemption might echo in every facet of our lives. For the great message of Calvary is that Jesus Christ alone has the power to bring us back to God. Jesus Christ alone has the power to bring us from the multiplicity and the chaos of this world back into the unity and communion with the Father that we are all made to experience. Jesus Christ alone is the Savior of this world on that cross that we are about to adore. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you. For by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. <laughs>